All right. So I am uh, Goon Swarm's head diplomat, chief of staff, CSM 9 member, CSM 10 member. For purposes of this conversation, the only really relevant part is that I am Goon Swarm's head diplomat. So for five years, I've been a space diplomat, a space politician. Five years, half a decade. Two of those years I spent under the mentorship of a gentleman who was the finest diplomat the game has ever seen, a real-life hero, my mentor and my friend, Vile Rat. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't miss him. For three of those years, I have been Goon Swarm's head diplomat. Three of those years. Five years total. In that time period, I have helped build a coalition. And when I say help build, I don't mean that I chipped in a little bit here and there. The founding philosophical underpinnings of the CFC is my vision. Those are my ideas. A lot of what you see today in the most powerful, the longest lasting, and the biggest coalition the game has ever seen has been my doing. That's why I'm here to talk about diplomacy. Welcome to our fellow goons, our coalition partners, our frenemies, our temporary allies of convenience, and even to our enemies. Thank you for coming today. I'll be keeping it brief. So, Matani is the leader of Goon Swarm and, and the Imperium by extension. My people, for the past few years, our coalition has become accustomed to a lifestyle that is the envy of Eve. At any point in time, I have between 8 and 12 diplomats at my disposal to help organize the coalition and to help build relations with hostiles or destroy relations with hostiles. As the rest of the galaxy is descending into chaos, we as an organization, this Imperium, growing stronger across the board, our numbers are going up, we have more power, we have a hegemony of a light that we've never seen before. Three years after Valarat's death, the coalition that he founded has grown into the Imperium, a group of alliances that together are the most powerful force in EVE. We literally have more people in the Imperium, and not even just in the Imperium, but just in Goonswarm, than most multinational corporations have employees. And that is not an exaggeration, that's just the reality. They are 40,000 players, held together by mutual interest in the strength of Goonswarm. If Goonswarm is Russia circa the Cold War, the lesser Imperium alliances are Ukraine, Belarus, Kyrgyzstan, the other Soviet states. You know, goons at this point in EVE Online's history have become so powerful that the only conflict of any particular interest in, in the game at this point is goons versus everybody else who's not a goon. Nobody was really willing to attack them because people considered attacking them impossible just because of their strong position that they've built themselves in over the over the past years. There's no other organization that could like single-handedly match goons, so it just has to be this amalgamation of dozens of others or hundreds of others. They decided that they were kicking so much ass in EVE, and they were. I mean, they were the biggest coalition in the game by far. Nobody could really stop them if they wanted to do something. We were for like a year basically daring everyone to do it because we wanted them to do it. We wanted that war. That's a, We're not building an empire to fucking build an empire. We're building an empire because we like a war machine. 
And so we, we wanted it. We were kind of bored. We felt like we were prepared. And we felt like if we ever wanted to take that fight, we needed to do it in a defensive manner. There's a saying we have, which is that war is bliss and peace is hell. In late 2015, the Imperium makes plans to provoke a war with some of the other large groups in EVE. They begin to tax anyone who lives near Imperium borders, threatening them with eviction if they choose not to pay. This plan, called the Vice Royalty Program, angers a lot of people in the broader EVE community. Basically, it was an extortion racket, and they wanted to make everybody else in EVE pay them money just to exist. At the same time, the leader of Goonswarm sells the war to his players by characterizing the conflict as outside aggression from groups that want to see the Imperium destroyed. We have a series of threats that are not necessarily obvious. Uh, the first one of these crossed our desk a couple days ago, which is why we're having this speech now at an unusual time. We have seen patterns in NullSec behavior. We know from the formation of the HBC that when a whole bunch of people get together who are made entirely up of our enemies or organization, associated with our enemies, that is essentially a matter of time before we end up with a Montolio-style honey badger coalition that is totally not trying to kill us guys, no really, they just want content. That is bullshit. Goonswarm had basically sat on this throne up north with all this space and talking so much shit and starting their Kickstarter for their book and just, you know, living it up on their, you know, yachts and their multi-dollar media empire and all that, that of course you're going to draw people to like knock you over when they see you stumble. Like, what did you think was going to happen? So at that point, basically, all the people that live in low security space hated goons, and the rest of the uh, Eve community hated goons because of everything else that uh, the goons have done over the over the recent years. It was like a powder keg already. It was just exploding in very small parts. Part two: the collapse of diplomacy and the fall of the Imperium. <laughs> some reason a lot of times people are suspicious of me there's just i don't know i, I can't ex i don't even do it on purpose it's just i just come off that way i guess i don't mean to so i'm an immigrant i came from romania whenever i was very young and then eve you have some alliance that are ethnic based um, either in leadership or in majority and i joined up with a group called romanian legion at the time that we're living in period basis and their main enemy was another romanian alliance that lived next door so like it's just completely absurd, you know, the only Romanians you can find in this game, and of course they're fighting each other. I was disappointed, I was like, guys, listen, like, we need to work together, we need to put things, you know, back in the box, like, we gotta get along, you know, national pride. You know, me being naive since I'm living abroad, like, I'm not in it, so, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And they're like, oh, you're a spy, you know, you're a spy, okay, whatever, and kill each other. This is our major uh, curse throughout history. If you if you read our history, this is this shit always happens to us. I mean, my in-game experience is not really as well known. Like most people will know me as a writer at Even News Twenty Four. 
So there's three main media sites, and the oldest and most well-known one is probably Eagles 24. It's, it's a mix match of all sorts of different people and uh, different perspectives, and most of the people are really not ideological in any way. On the other end of the spectrum, you have Imperium News Network, which is basically a Goon Swarm slash Imperium Coalition official news site. They have huge numbers, like their art department is as big as the entire staff of EVE News 24. They got much larger backing in terms of finance. I guess you would basically call it like Russia Today. Consistently, the single dumbest move that anybody can make in EVE Online is to assault Goonswarm and our friends. Consider the roster of the alliances who've tried it before, which has become a skull pile of the disbanded, the hopeless, the lost, and the forgotten. We do not forgive, we do not forget, and our vengeance is both legendary and inevitable. There's a saying that applies to both EVE and life itself, which is, if you're fighting fair, you're not fighting at all. At its core, war is about two things, willpower and brutality. Right now, the entire galaxy is howling for our blood. This time will be different, they think, just like the Fountain War, just like the Halloween War, just like the original Siege of VFK in 2012, just like the Great War before that, blah, blah, blah. The war starts slowly. At first, the only groups bold or reckless enough to attack the Imperium are the pirates who live on their borders. But then, there's a spark. And then around that time, a guy called Lenny got involved. And Lenny's this guy that was helping run some EVE gambling sites. I had accumulated a lot, a lot, a lot of ISK and was wondering if a war against the Imperium would be a thing. You have to understand that these people made so much money, these casinos, because of the way that they worked and how many people played on their website. And that's just uh, an amount of money that no alliance is able to make with in-game um, mechanics, right? He basically had enough money that he could do anything. And he was like, I want to pay a bunch of groups to attack the goons. I started talking to certain people to start gathering a coalition and, and initiating mercenary contracts. He hired Mercenary Coalition, he hired OSS, and then the third group that he hired was Tissue. And, you know, that, that was my group. We each attacked from one of these three fronts. Starting off with hit and run tactics, starting off with trying to break morale. We just got more and more people involved. We got a structure set up and we decided how we want to do this invasion. I had a bunch of contracts in high sec that were specifically targeting all known logistics entities throughout the Imperium. We covered a lot of different bases. And from that point on, it just sort of escalated where I want this get so much money because everybody played in the casino that they just kept hiring and hiring more people to uh, put more pressure onto goons. I think we estimated it at around 65,000, 64,000. So of, of people being in all of the alliances and corporations that we hired.
The Children's Crusade appears to be kind of breaking up. This is, I mean, we've had wars like this before, any, where a loose coalition of idiots gets together with no real direction and comes at us. And then once they break and find excuses to move the goalposts and go elsewhere, what happens is that we pick individuals, little alliances or individual leaders out of that group of people who came at us, and then we begin to make examples of them. So that's what you're going to be seeing. So we slowly started making our way, um, pushing through the Zov. Uh, they basically realized, okay, all this space, we can't hold it. We can't hold all of the space. We're too spread out. And they just folded. Two weeks in, uh, it was literally two weeks in, they gave up two entire regions that they used to own. They just moved all the alliances that lived there out of those regions, pulled them together with the, with the main core of Goonswarm Federation. And um, that sort of just kept happening. It was very jarring, I think, for the goons because they were so used to just blobbing people and just outnumbering them so easily. And then they ran up against these groups that had never really worked together before. They didn't really like each other. And it was like, wow, we are getting our asses kicked. This is going to be a quick one, guys. We don't really do long, flowery speeches when we are under attack, and this is one of those times. Uh, we have, ever since uh, Lon and Bastion have been now safely part of their supercap fleet, has been safely evacuated, uh, sort of a miracle of Dunkirk. Uh, we're starting to get a lot more numbers. People are waking up to the fact that shit is real. Our dear enemies invited literally the rest of Eve and called in every favor they could to get everybody here. Uh, but unfortunately for them, uh, they do have to defend their space because we're not going anywhere and we're kind of fucking pissed off and we love being angry. We enjoy vengeance. This is what we do. Actually, I have agonizing memories of us feeding 150-man hurricane fleets multiple times per day while they were just you know, blitzkrieging ourselves, just trying to hold things together for another day. We moved over to the next staging system, which was inhabited by uh, probably one of the strongest members of the coalition back then in terms of PvP, which was Circle of Two. CO2 was, at the time, the second most powerful alliance within uh, the Imperium. Basically, the only thing that's keeping the Imperium from toppling, falling down, is uh, CO2. I'm known as Da Vinci, head Diplo and co-alliance leader of CO2, Sion, had to deal with us and keep us happy in, in one way or another. Otherwise, we would just say, yeah, well, you know what? Um, we're not going to fight your wars anymore. At this point in the war, things are not going well for the Imperium. Fueled by money from the online casinos, nearly all of EVE is attacking them on multiple fronts. With tensions between Imperium alliances high, it falls to Scion and the other Goonswarm diplomats to keep the Imperium intact. One day we found ourselves being the only capable fighting force within the coalition. And that gave us a very powerful position. Because, well, they couldn't just tell us, fuck off. <laughs> because that would, like, basically the only army they had left so they had to deal with us. I'm a diplomat. Diplomats are not diplomatic. This is one of the most common things that people mistake. They think, oh, well, I have to be civil. I'm a diplomat. I have to be diplomatic. I'm a diplomat. 
No. Sometimes, sure. Why? What? You only have one fighting force left and you treat us like little children. So you give us handouts, basically. If you have to negotiate over a single moon and a negotiation like that could drag for like weeks to get a moon, a high value moon, you don't treat allies like that. The only thing that's keeping the Imperium from toppling is uh, CO2. Diplomats do not only put out fires, diplomats sometimes start fires. You have to be able to do both. Furthermore, if you're in a situation where using honeyed words doesn't work, you break out the sticks. Start beating people, threatening them maybe. Not usually, but sometimes. Maybe implied threats. Maybe logical traps. Sion himself threatened to kick us from the coalition. You just do not tell us what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. It's, it's condescending. We're not rewarded for our contribution. People don't have to like you to deal with you. They can think you are the worst person alive, but if you have a mutual enemy and they know you'll hold to your end of the bargain, they'll put fleets on the field with you to help kill that guy. Don't have to like each other. I can say that I really dislike the Sion game persona. Maybe he's a good guy. I don't know. But every dealing I had with him left me with the feeling like, oh God, one day, and I know what's going to happen, I will make that schmuck smile. I will wipe that off your face. And yeah, that was very satisfying. Very satisfying. So Vilrad was normally not not very aggressive. He'd try and like be your friend, and it would it would be alright. He'd like offer to represent your interest to his leadership, right? Which is actually not as common as you'd expect. Believe that's more of like the actual diplomacy you'd expect in the real world, where you talk to an external group, understand what they want, and then represent it internally. You don't see that so much. Whereas Sion, the few times I had to actually deal with Sion, it was just like, he would try and insult you to try and make you lose your footing. Which, sure, it's a negotiating tactic, but it doesn't really foster any kind of long-term relationship. Oh, he gave me a whole, like, women can't be diplomats, they can't be trusted, etc. kind of speech. He got pretty uh, heated. I mean, I don't believe he believed any of it, he was just trying to mess with me. Diplomacy is a minefield in a ballroom. Elegant, sort of slow-moving. Everyone's well-dressed. But there's a minefield. And you don't know if your partner is leading you away from those mines or into them, but you do know that one misstep will mean you explode. Throughout these months, so starting in November, December, up until March, I was continuously talking to the Wenqi. My idea initially was that if I could get CO2 to defect, I could get all of these groups that had just fought goons to kind of sense blood in the water. When he started talking to me about turning CO2 against the Imperium, against goons more specifically, 
he always said like yeah we have to do this now and now the time is now and it was just basically like this negotiating back and forth back and forth and whenever a goon swarm or the imperium as a whole would lose like a major strategic objective you know i'd sort of nudge the windshield and be like hey buddy you know you, you still got time to negotiate but you know if you lose a few more of these strategic objectives your your position is not going to be very strong goons retreated to losec and that left us the only Milsec uh, alliance uh, still fighting. And then we had to basically think of something to save ourselves. And if you then consider the backdrop, the background, like goons have been threatening us and, well, yeah, well, the choice was obvious, pretty obvious. They, they, they done it themselves. If they had treated us the right way, we would probably have gone down together with goons. Um, but goons didn't. So we said, okay, let's talk. Let's see what we can work out. And we worked something out. said on the meta show, like I said, during the uh, State of the Gunion, what we're going to end up doing here is we're going to turn the tide, break their will, shift our vulns over after we eat dicks for a couple days. Like, CO2's betrayal is really bad in the sense that we had shifted our vulnerability window to Euro Prime, and they were a Euro Prime alliance, and they flipped, you know, they're traitors, they flip sides on us. So that's just the reality of it. Uh, but once things turn around in terms of our normal way of doing things within this next, I'd say, 48 hours, uh, the initial, oh, we got betrayed and we're losing our Sov phase is going to slow way, way the fuck down. It was pandemonium within the Imperium. Like, everybody started fire-sailing their shit. CO2 gave the, the attackers, like, a bunch of information on where Imperium super capitals were being built. And, all you know, we went around and just, like, destroyed all of these ships that were in build, like, expensive ships that were in build. After a little bit, they realize that they failed. They realize that they haven't actually broken us. They realize that they are not going to accomplish what they want. And then the real cruelty begins. There's usually a tipping point in these things where then suddenly we go on a crusade of vengeance. We just start looking for exposed nerves to stab knives in and twist them because we are cruel people suffering as much suffering as we can extract from them individually, which is what I'm looking forward to. The Imperium retreated to low security space and they just abandoned their space. Uh, a bunch of their alliances just completely folded. I think all but like two or three of their alliances just completely died or whatever remained of them either went elsewhere or merged within Gloom Swarm. All of us collectively basically realized, you know, we're fucked. We can't hold back the tide. We're sacrificing hundreds of ships practically per day just to keep it as a stalemate. It's not sustainable. Things have slowed to a crawl. There's no way that we can sustainably win this fight and fade. It's not going to happen. We will always own the North as far as I'm concerned. Even if the enemy tries to rule over us, they cannot out-occupy us. They cannot actually hold the North in the system. 
Uh, so for Goonswarm, at least, all of our shit and strategic ops are going to be going out of Saradin for the foreseeable future. We basically moved all the Money Badger Coalition alliances into the same system that they retreated to, and we were just camping them on their station the entire day, 24-7. We were just sitting there with fleets, not letting them undock, basically not letting them play the game until they decided to move out, and then they moved uh, south and left the north. Being within the Imperium, where you've held that space in the north for, I don't know, five years, maybe six years, basically uncontested, it's just, it's the fall of Rome, basically. They did fall, right? The political capital that they had was completely shattered. The perception of invincibility was completely shattered. The entire game knew that as a whole, they can easily compete with them. So it's, yeah, their empire did shatter. Was the actual core of the empire destroyed? No. They moved south. They rebuilt. They're in a very strong defensive position, but that's all they're in. They can't extend outward. They've tried. It hasn't worked yet. You got to remember, dude, we were for like a year basically daring everyone to do it because we wanted them to do it. We wanted that war. We just didn't want it on that situation. And... I don't think Corpse Diplo, it wasn't the war. Like, that didn't bother us. It was the allies falling apart at the same time. Like, that. if you have all your allies, like, we had enough people that we could have held out in one because we had a strategy. Like, we knew how to beat this. We had, we had already game-theoried this. For me, internally, the casino war was, it justified every warning I had been getting about allies and diplomacy for five years. And it was the collapse of diplomacy. Like, you basically saw diplomacy from goons stop for almost a year. At one point, Core Diplomatique was actively being built up and trained by Vile Rat, Sean Smith, who I'm sure you've heard of if you've done any research in Eve at all. You know, the dude who uh, passed away at Benghazi five years ago today, actually, who was an actual IRL diplomatic corps officer, and as a result was able to pass on lots of actual IRL diplomatic lessons to members of Core Diplomatique, including Sion, who cast himself as Vilerat's protege in a lot of regards. I'm a diplomat. Although, I, as I recall, they had different viewpoints. Like I said, Sion sort of bought into the whole utilitarian real politic, which is basically just another way of saying, you know, every group is going to look out for its own interests, and if you don't look out for your own interests first, you're stupid. And if you don't make deals that predominantly focus on advancing your interests, you're stupid. Sion had a totally different style. Like, Sion was much more about how does this other entity's interests align with ours? And if they don't, we don't give a fuck. Vile Rat was always much more about keeping up the maintenance of the relationships. Whereas we, Sion's era was much more about, yeah, you're supposed to be talking to them somewhat frequently, but Vile Rat went out of his way to really build friendships across the, across the divide. He built relationships with everyone. I mean, Jesus, he built a relationship with me, and we were always arguing. We could have been po more polar opposites. So it was kind of like Cyan was much more coming from a, an angle of self-interest from Goon's perspective. He wasn't as polished as a negotiator as Vile or a diplomat, but he was still effective, it's just in a different way. Much more aggressive, bad cop, whereas Vile would have been a good cop. 
you think if Balrog was still around during the war, that allies would have stayed in the coalition, and you guys would have been able to win? Um, maybe, probably. Uh, it's likely. Um, I mean, I, I, I still wish he was here, but I'm kind of glad it didn't play out that way, though, because I finally got the organizational structure that I've wanted for, you know, 10 years. We don't coddle allies at all anymore. We real talk them right out of the gate and say, here's our expectation. You're not meeting it. Bam. Coddling got us nowhere. And that was one of the biggest lessons we took away. And that's what Corpse Diplo took away. It was the collapse of diplomacy. What are we losing? There was a, a statement by Ambassador Barbara Stevenson today to the Foreign Service community that they are now down 60% in career ambassadors and that the uh, applications for the Foreign Service exam, and I know you, you teach at the, the Georgetown School of Foreign Service, the applications at the entry level are plummeting, plunging from a high of 17,000 a year ago. The State Department is basically hollowed out. Well, I'm appalled, and you have traveled with the State Department and secretaries for a long time, and you know how the place works. You cannot and should not and must not hollow out the diplomatic uh, aspect of our lives. I am stunned. And Secretary Tillerson deciding that he's going to reorganize, and I'm deeply, deeply troubled by that because you cannot be the major power in the world and not have a functioning diplomatic service. Real life is completely reflected. All the aspects of life, you can find it in ETH. That's what made the game for me so interesting. If you don't have a politician with the narrative and the cloak and dagger stuff, I mean, that's what I do in real life. I am a, a, a negotiator for the government in Brussels. That's where I live. That, that's, my, that's my job. That's why I was a Diplo in-game, because that's what I do in real life. If I, if I would switch jobs, I would mention that uh, on my CV. I would actually mention that I, I managed a, a multinational. I woke up and the first thing I did was, okay, what did the Australian time zone, the Asian time zone do when, when I was sleeping? I didn't become an exec until long after I was playing Eve in the finance game. I'm an executive at a very, very large, like a Fortune 15. Like the Eve in the finance game actually taught me and got me past a hump in my career. The metagaming, the how to manipulate people. I got better at it, significantly better. And more importantly, I got enough exposure to different viewpoints that I learned to be more uh, collaborative. I was senior management, but I was never gonna get to the executive track. I was too rough. But Eve taught me how to smooth those edges over. And so without Eve, I would have, I don't think I've ever become an exec. Dude. That was surprisingly good oratory, especially for someone who claims to be a 17-year-old autistic kid. You should really consider being a Diplo. And I'm like, I don't know if you've got the right guy here. I try my best, but most of my speech sounds like broken, fragmented nonsense. It's not so much the challenge of being autistic as it is uh, whether or not diplomacy and being forced to interact politely with people on a regular basis can actually quote-unquote cure your autism. Uh, and in a sense, it sort of can, and that it can really get rid of a lot of social hangups, a lot of social anxiety, and a lot of difficulty talking to another person. 
I, I definitely grew up, uh, especially as an immigrant kid coming to the U.S., I uh, moved to an area in the U.S. where they weren't very um, open to immigrants, especially younger kids, you know, kids are just mean. So I kind of grew up, I was very shy, very kind of closed in. And then just kind of playing Eve, it really made me open up and be much more direct and much more forward with people when I needed to be. Do you know, I always swore that I would never ever play an MMO, ever, because I dumped a boyfriend a, a number of years back and he got lost into World of Warcraft and I'm like, oh no, fuck that shit. And then I started dating someone else who happened to play Eve and he was getting withdrawal symptoms and I had a, my laptop at the time was far more powerful than his desktop. Um, so I allowed him to download it of my life <laughs> it hones your skills it hones all of them i've learned so much from playing eve um and nobody i know who's played it for a long time hasn't if i if i had kids i would get them an eve account once they're old enough to understand it and afterwards they can run their own flipping company you know and recruit and hire and fire and be able to be a master or mistress of their own destiny just from one game. I'm, and yeah.